Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Christ is baptized and you respond in the Jordan. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. You notice I greeted you a little different way. One of the several greetings that we use in the Eastern lung of the church. Most of the time we say to glory to Jesus Christ. You would respond back, glory to him forever. However, we were in the post-festive of the event of the baptism of Jesus Christ. A huge event in Eastern churches. It's the season of Epiphany. It's a little more common word used in the Western lung of the church. In the Eastern churches, we like to use the word in regard to the season and the baptism of Christ, the word theophany, theophanic. In other words, it's similar to epiphany because something is being shown forth. Something is being manifested. That's the whole point. That's the connecting link with these two words, theophany and epiphany. For theophany, the one that we prefer in the Eastern churches, it would mean that what is being shown forth, theo, the first part of the word, is God. Because at Christ's baptism, the entire Trinity was revealed. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's why it's such a huge event in the Eastern churches. In the West, it's a showing forth of the newborn Christ to the Magi. And you notice how both have a very common element to them. It's the Reality incarnation becoming known, becoming real, becoming exposed to the whole world. The reality of the newborn Savior in the West and the reality of the Savior grown up, but revealing along with him the other two persons of the Trinity. So this is a huge time of year, actually. And we're in the, as I mentioned, the post-festive. The actual days of Epiphany and Theophany are January 6th and 7th. But anytime we have major events in the liturgical calendar of the church, east and west, especially east, we have what's called a post-festive. In other words, we continue the feast for several days with its many themes. And this particular feast of the baptism of Christ is multi-leveled. And we're going to get to some of those levels later in the program. But this time of year, being the beginning of the civil calendar, is also a time to reflect back on the previous year, to think about things and people in the past, but also to look forward to the new year with, of course, New Year's resolutions. 
I'd like to look back a little bit on some of you who have been very kind to us here at Light of the East, who have written very nice supportive letters. In particular, E.C. Kirkham, way out in Salt Lake City, Utah. And also Jean Bray from the state of Washington. And closer to home here, I want to thank the Masters family, Tom and Kathleen Masters, for their very kind letters. We always like hearing from all of you. If you want to email us, you can email us here at Light of the East by going to this email, TaborLife at Earthlink.net. That's Tabor, like Mount Tabor, where Jesus transfigured. TaborLife at Earthlink.net. There are many of you that we'd like to say hello to. We appreciate you for having listened to us this past year, especially those of you who are in prison. And also our very, very good friend, the one who got it all started for us here at Light of the East, Charles Cook, up in Saginaw, Michigan. But we also say hello to some old friends. We're not old in age, but they're old friends here at Light of the East who just happened to stop by our studios here as we begin this new year. And one of them is a familiar voice. Some of you have been with us for a number of years, might recognize her voice. We welcome to Light of the East, good old friend, Katie Reedy. Katie, welcome to Light of the East. Hi, Christ, Father. Christ Thank is you. baptized, we say, in the Jordan. In the Jordan. <laughs> Now, for those of you who are not familiar with Katie, she was with us and during our early years and off and on throughout the years of Light of the East, but she has gone on to live out in California, out west, and she's been working in the movie industry, right, Katie? Uh, yes, that's correct. But having left the Midwest here, the good, wholesome Midwest, right, <laughs> where the studios of Light of the East are. It is, it is. <laughs> you have gone out to the West Coast. Sometimes it's called the Left Coast. <laughs> it, uh-huh. It's an interesting area because you can find just about anything there, some sinners to saints. <laughs> yes, indeed. And you've gone out there, but you have not left behind what you knew back here at home. And that is, of course, your faith. So from your experience out there in the notorious West Coast, especially in the movie industry, tell us about what you see the value of, of what you learned, what you carried with you, what you grew up with, and what you carried with you out there now that you're living in California, working in the movie industry. I'm sure you're rubbing up against shoulders of a lot of important people, famous people. I, I've run into a few, yes. <laughs> I've run into a few. So what are your thoughts? What are, your, what are some of your thoughts and experiences so far in that regard? First, thanks for having me on. It's great to be back. Yeah, so Los Angeles, it's, it's been very interesting. I, um, I will say this. I think God was preparing me heavily to be able to practice my faith when I got into a very secular city. Mm. You, you know, you're very comfortable with your community, your faith community. And then, you know, and everybody's on the same page and you can mm-hmm. talk about theology and philosophy and social issues and then I was thrown into an environment where I've I've never been challenged as as I my whole life I've never been challenged in this way. Just people with such uh, just diverse backgrounds and different faiths and different ideas mm-hmm. and a lot of atheism and mm-hmm. questions that were asked to me that I mm-hmm. it was very challenging. Um, mm-hmm. I had to go back to my apologetics course and think, oh my gosh, <laughs> what do I know about my faith? But I've never clung to my faith more than mm-hmm. I have now. And I have a beautiful faith community out there, and it's amazing to see who God and the Holy Spirit has brought out to L.A. Mm. The people of faith out there are strong, and it's wonderful, but you're just very—you're immersed in a culture that is very self, self-absorbed, self mm-hmm. so there's very little space for God. Yes. So for me, I just started to realize, okay, I love mingling with a bunch of different people, but I have to have a strong faith community. Mm -hmm. And God brought people into my life who are just living their faith beautifully. And we come together all the time, whether it's prayer or for social things or mass or whatever. But um, 
if I didn't have them, I could see how easy it is mm. to fall away from God because, again, the materialism, the fame, the, you know, like you said, rubbing elbows with famous people and mm-hmm. it starts to get to your head a little. It's challenging. And what you brought out there was an experience that you had here back home in yes. the Chicago area of yeah. the church breeding with both lungs. You are a Latin right, in other words, you were raised Roman Catholic, but yet mm-hmm. in recent years you came into an experience of the Eastern churches. And Correct. did you find that you pull from the riches of both in your experience out there in California now? Oh, absolutely. Yes. I actually, <laughs> and this is nothing, I love the Roman Rite very dearly, but um, yes, I was a I was a parishioner at your parish for nine, almost nine years before mm-hmm. I left to go out there. And there are days that I will be sitting in church and I actually, tears come to my eyes because mm-hmm. I miss the rich prayer life of the East, but I can see the beauty of both. So I appreciate, of course, the, the Roman Rite that I was raised in. But I love that I can share the richness of the Eastern Church with all my Roman friends out there. Yes. I don't have any friends out there who are Eastern Catholics. Oh. So it's wonderful to be able to share and show the complementarity of the two, yes. uh-huh. really. And and they're in awe. And there are a couple Eastern Catholic churches within about a half hour of where we live. So mm-hmm. I keep saying, we need to go, we need to go. You have to experience <laughs> yeah. the liturgy. Yeah, and they're, they're very attracted to it. But it was mm. great to be able to go out there and share and kind of educate people on the East. Yeah, this program, Light of the East, is dedicated to unity in the church. And the way we try to do that is by presenting the riches of both lungs of the church. That's a quote from St. John Paul II. The church breathes with both lungs, East and West. And the thing that's interesting about being an Eastern Catholic, as, as I'm hearing even from you, seeing from your experience, is that there is something to be said about this unity. The Orthodox or Orthodox Brethren and the Roman Catholic Church are not in union with each other as of now. We are, of course, working towards unity and praying for that. But the Eastern Catholic Churches, although in imperfect union at many times, have a certain advantage, I think, and I'm hearing it from you, that we can move about in each other's camps, so to speak, mm-hmm. and we can avail ourselves of the riches of both. Just like you're saying now, you had an experience of the Eastern Churches here, although you were, are a Latin Rite Catholic. But you're able to take that experience with you and share it with others out where you are now uh, to, to help them have a fuller experience, understanding of the church. So I think there is something really to be said about being in union with one another, East and West, where there is union, such as in the Eastern Catholic churches and the Latin Rite church, because we can easily avail ourselves of each other's riches. Mm-hmm. Like I say, we can move about each other's camps, you know, Absolutely. and be enriched by each other. Absolutely. Uh, and we call upon each other, you know, like brother and sister. They can fight, but they, they can also love each other, and they sort of call each other out to be the best of themselves. Mm-hmm. We, we, the East and West both, I think, have that ability and that calling to witness to each other through their respective riches, but also to call each other out. In other words, the Eastern Church looks at the Western Church, you know, it's, it's brother or sister mm-hmm. in Christ and says, mm-hmm. okay, this, this is what's good about you, but you know, there's something here that's not so good. Why don't you, why don't you, you know, improve here or whatever? And I think we need to do that for each other mm-hmm. and with each other. Absolutely. And I think that's part of the, the genius or the charism, the beauty, the gift of being united with each other. However imperfect, just because something's not perfect doesn't mean it shouldn't be, you know, because it's always in process. We're always working out our destiny. And the destiny, of course, of the body of Christ is to 
is to fulfill Christ's desire that all would be one. Mm-hmm. We're not supposed to be split. And mm-hmm. that's and this is what we are dedicated to here at Light of the East. And Katie, it was great to have you stop by here as you came home to visit relatives during this holy season. And thanks for taking the message that you learned out here, taking it out to the West Coast. <laughs> yes, yes, the mystical, bringing the mystical. The mystical. No, that's it, that's mm-hmm. the key, the mystical. And that's what we're all about here on Light of the East. Thank you, Katie, for stopping by. Have a blessed new year. Thank you, Father. You too. Thank you very much. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Welcome to a St. Nicholas Minute. What is a saint anyway? Although I was imprisoned for seven years during a terrible persecution of the church under the pagan Roman emperor Diocletian, I'm one of the first saints honored not because I suffered a bloody martyrdom like St. Peter or St. Paul. I was called a saint because people began to say, Nicholas loves Jesus so much that you can see a lot of Jesus in him. And that's what a saint is, someone who wants to become more and more like Jesus, who is the light of the world each and every day of our lives. One day when a class of parochial school students were in church, their pastor asked the assembly of children, what is a saint? Then a first grade girl pointed up to a stained glass image of a saint saying, saints are those people who let the light in. And so as we celebrate the birth of Christ, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. Christ is born, glorify him. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road. Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyal, your host. And again, I greet you with the specific greeting of the Byzantine Church during this time of year. I say to you, Christ is baptized, and you respond in the Jordan. As I mentioned earlier, before the break, this feast of our Lord's baptism is theophanic. In other words, it's about revealing God. It's a huge feast day in the Eastern churches. Second, probably, in a sense, second only to Easter, to the resurrection of Christ. And I also mentioned that it is multi-leveled, and this is what makes it so incredibly rich. 
And we have a very, very elaborate ceremony on the eve of Theophany of the blessing of water, the great blessing of water. There's actually two blessings of water we do. One is the, called the great blessing of water that is done in the church, and the second one is done for any body of water outside the church, you know, local streams or creeks or rivers or lakes. But the ceremony for the great blessing of water in the church is very, very elaborate. It involves very, very lengthy, beautiful, encompassing prayers, which repeat over and over again the word today. Today the Lord is baptized. Today the waters are filled with the Spirit of God, etc., etc. Very long, rich prayers, very dramatic prayers. Because what's happening is we're being drawn into a mystery. I mean, actually being drawn into it. I mean, let's face it, we're made of water. Water is such a vital element of the earth, a vital aspect of all of life. Water cleanses, water drowns, and water gives life. And we drink water, and we use water to bless ourselves with. So water is a huge, huge, not only element of our own life, but of the spiritual life, the sacramental life. So we use water, we put it in the center of the church, and the priest would do several things. He'll breathe over that water like God's breath hovering over the waters in the beginning of creation. He breathes over that water, and that breathing is symbolic of, or actually more than symbolic, it is both symbolic and also making present the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit coming down over the water to actually fill the water with the presence of God. Yes, that, yes, that's actually what's happening here. That's why we call it a great blessing. It's more than just pronouncing a few words and making the sign of the cross over a, a bowl of water. It's actually an immersion, an immersion of God himself into that water. That's right. Just as he did in the waters of Jordan. In fact, through the ceremony, the waters that are in the middle of the church actually become the waters of Jordan that Christ himself was baptized in. In order to understand that, you have to think mystically and liturgically, which is part of the great genius of the church, both East and West, and particularly the East. When we enter into something liturgically, we transcend time. So as this water, through the prayers and action of the priest, is literally hosting God himself, his presence in the water, it actually is becoming, in a mystical way, in a way that is real but yet beyond our understanding, it's becoming those same waters that Christ was baptized in. And in fact, by Christ entering into the waters of Jordan, he sanctifies all water as we do in the ceremony. So the priest breathes over the water. Another action is he takes his hand, he makes the sign of the cross in the water. A third action is he takes a triple branch candle, he turns it upside down during the prayers, he douses it three times into the water, putting out the flame. But the idea is the fire, the fire of the Holy Spirit, the fiery presence of God is entering into the water. And then finally, he takes a cross, raises it up, and then plunges it into the water and makes the sign of the cross through the water itself. So there's four actions that are done to bring the presence of God into these waters. And then he takes those waters and he blesses everything with them. The people, the church, things inside, things outside. But most importantly, the people come forward and they partake of the water. They become the water. The water becomes them. It's very much like the Eucharist. When we receive the body and blood of Christ, we become God. God becomes us. Now, we don't become God in his essence. We can't do that. But we become him. He becomes us in the sense that there's a sharing of our natures. Because that's how close we get to each other. We sort of graft each other onto each other through the Eucharist 
and now also through the sanctified water. So this is a huge, huge event, a mystical event. Remember, mystical means what is most real, like love and life itself. Things that are most real, we have an understanding of them, but there's something that remains beyond our comprehension at the same time. And yet, it is real. Just because something's beyond our comprehension doesn't mean it's not real. In fact, most of the time, it means that it is most real. It seems almost like surreal to us, but it's not really surreal. It's the most real. That's what the mystical means, a very, very strong characteristic of the eastern lung of the church. Now, another thing that's going on during this event of the baptism of Christ and our entrance into it liturgically is illumination. All of creation, all of us, are illumined by God's presence among us in this way. We were illumined by the presence of his birth, and now we are by his entrance into the waters. So there's an element of this illumination or manifestation that's going on in this event. God is showing himself forth. He's showing himself as actually incarnate. We saw him incarnate as a child, as a baby. Now we see him incarnate as a man, but incarnated not only to our own human nature, but into his own creation, and in this case, water. That's why oftentimes you see in the icons of Christmas and also of Theophany, you see all the elements there. You see water, you see something from the heavens, you see angels, you see rocks, you see people, you see plants, you see everything of the cosmos. It all comes together in the events and in the person of Jesus Christ, whether it's his nativity or his baptism and later on his death and resurrection and his ascension. It all comes together. This is a cosmic event, cosmic. It's not just happening to a person or to human beings. It's happening to all of creation. It's interesting that Pope Francis came out with a what's now a very popular encyclical on the climate, on the ecology, on the environment, and the appropriate approach to that, the sacramental approach. It's interesting because in the Eastern churches, especially with feasts like this, we are in a sense, and I say this tongue-in-cheek, we're way ahead of the Pope. <laughs> We've been environmentally conscious for centuries, and this is one of the ways in which we are. The fact that we take something of the environment and make it front and center, make it so central, and we consecrate it. We actually consecrate the water because we're calling down upon the water, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God enters in that water. And as a result, all of nature now is sanctified, all of nature. God's presence is not just in the form of a human being, while he still remains God, but his presence is actually infused into all creation. And one of the most precious elements of creation is, of course, water. So from water, by extension, God has infused himself and sanctified all creation. Another thing that's happening in this multi-leveled event of Christ's baptism is the revelation of the Trinity. And this is why we call it theophany, theophanic. In other words, the phonus, phanic, means sound, like, like to be heard, like a symphonic or a phonics, as we see in those words. Now we put the prefix theo in front of it, so we put them together, theophonic, theophany. In other words, the hearing, the showing forth, the sound, the coming into awareness of God. God is Trinity. 
It's interesting, whenever I give talks, which I do in many places, in fact, interested in my talks and having me come live to any audience, you can contact me at taborlife.org, taborlife.org. That's our website. Our email is taborlife at earthlink.net, taborlife at earthlink.net. Whenever I do my talks, one of the things I often do at the beginning of the talk is I'll ask people to tell me something about God. And they'll mention many things. God is love, he's omnipotent, and so on. And they're all correct, all correct. But it's uncanny how seldom someone will say about God that he is Trinity. Yes, it is one God, but it is not enough to say we believe in one God. Others believe in one God, but there's a big difference The one God that we believe in is at the same time three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As the fathers of the church say, distinct persons, unconfused, consubstantial, one in essence, one in substance, made of the same substance, one God, yet in three persons, distinct persons, that never become confused or fused together, yet become one. Now, this is, of course, as part of the doctrine of the Trinity, which no one can fully understand. But one way to maybe try to understand it is think of marriage. Man and woman become one in a very mystical, sacramental way in marriage. And yet they remain always distinct individuals, man and woman, Joe and Susie, whoever. And yet they become one. So we have an experience of this phenomenon So it gives us some idea of the Trinity, although we can't fully comprehend the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the manifestation of God is Trinity. And finally, it is a sharing, a ratification of our own baptism. We could not be baptized unless Christ himself was baptized. He did not need to be baptized. We needed it, and he did it for us. Just as he took on flesh, suffering, and death for us, so too does he take on baptism so that we might be baptized and be saved. Thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh!